All right, everybody, welcome to Eternal Leadership. And today I want to go back and share with you a very challenging time that I think has resurfaced as we're in the environment that we're in now. And I want to bring you back 10 years ago when I professionally was at the top of my game. I was running a multi, multi million dollar part of a company. I had all this responsibility. And you know how everything was defined externally to me on what success is and how I showed up and what I should be doing in the community and how I should be involved in church and different nonprofits. It was all there. And I don't think I'd ever been in a place though, even though externally everything was happening the way it was supposed to, that I'd never been more miserable. And I think the most frustrating thing for me is, you know, what I felt like, even though I was succeeding the way the world thought was, I felt like I was failing at home because I think I was like so disconnected from the meaning of my work. There was so much drive to meet goals and standards that other people were setting for me. Folks, there was times where I I had created such a negative environment at home. I mean, there was times I didn't want to come home. There was times... My wife probably didn't want me to come home. And in that, I had started to repeat some patterns and mistakes that I saw with my parents as I grew up. Now, my dad was an amazing father, but you know what? He was grew up in the Great Depression. He was fought in World War II. He, as a good provider, his entire mindset was to work hard and use that as an example And what I did was, and I didn't really even get to know my dad until I was an adult. And I realized that, hey, you know what? I wanted this great relationship with my kids. And I'd come home at night and I was fried. And I get either annoyed or they didn't want to go outside and play. And I'm like, well, I got work to do. And what I realized was in that moment, I had not made the important things important. And I had no idea how to change. When I had my accident and I was literally put in the hospital and sidelined for over two years, so this was just nine years ago, as many of you guys know my story, it took that for me to slow down so that I could actually heal and reconnect and become a better version of myself to make that important. And I know I'm talking to so many leaders right now. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're like, man, I, you know, it's good, but I wish it was great. And maybe just to, hey, on if you're listening on just a scale of one to 10, 10 being like best marriage ever. Like, man, I still like I've been married 30 years and I'm buying my wife cards and flowers and we're going on dates and my kids are my best friends. One being like, you know, you're like, you don't even want to spend time with them. Like, where are you on that spectrum? Well, today, here's my goal. And I'm bringing on a friend of mine, Joe Pomeroy. Joey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, John. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here too. You know what we're going to talk about everybody is today is how do you make that a plus one? How do you develop an extraordinary marriage, become a extraordinary husband, father, wife, mother, without having to get thrown off a horse into a fence and spending two years in a hospital when you realize, you know, I need to make the eternal and the important things important. So, hey, a little bit about Joe. You also, kind of like me, you learned the hard way that you were leading an eight-figure business, right? Yeah. Um, And guess what? If your family's walking out the door, that is not the kind of success that you had been striving for. And so something Joe has done, he's spent years studying these family relationships. And in that and working with other leaders has discovered a process and a secret that really changed his family forever. He created uh, what what Joe is going to share with us, um, this 3D family framework, which is really this catalyst for business-minded, and Joe, you focus on men, right? So the women listening, right? I just want you to know Joe focuses on men, but this is universally translatable. Or if you're a woman listening to this, you can listen to it and then, hey, forward this to your husband. Okay, go ahead and do that. (laughs) All right, but we want to move from fine to fantastic. So How about this, Joe, let's just start out and just share with us a little bit kind of about your background in your journey to where things are at right now. Yeah, you got it. Well, first of all, John, I appreciate what you shared. And I think it's hard to admit 
as men, as human beings, it's hard to admit that we're not exactly where we want to be, that we've made some choices that we maybe didn't think we'd make when we were little kids dreaming who we'd become and what we would do. And to get to a point where we recognize, wow, I am off track and this is going to be painful getting better. This could be painful getting back on track. Um, takes a lot of courage to share that. And, and I also appreciate you sharing what you did because that sounds so identical, so closely knitted to my own story. You know, starting out uh, newly married, I'm working on my MBA. And uh, like you mentioned, leading a, helping to lead a multi-million dollar figure business. And um, things were great until I realized they weren't. And it was difficult. It was frustrating coming home and, and man, I'd be at work and my colleagues loved me. Clients thought I was phenomenal. I was getting all kinds of appreciation and positive affirmation. And then I come home and I didn't understand why the ticker parade wasn't continuing when I walked in the door. And, uh, you know, I say that somewhat facetiously, but the reality is, is that it's hard when one part of my life felt so natural and so easy and then the other part felt distant and disconnected and difficult. And it made me, like you mentioned, it made me want to stay at work. And that was easy when I defined my role as a provider. And I love that you talked about uh, your father and what how he viewed his role as a provider and kind of what that translated to you. But when I defined being a provider, it was, what's the quality of roof I'm putting over my family's head? What's the kind of food I'm able to put on the table? It was all these external, tangible, physical measurements that really came back to money, that really came back to how I was financially providing. And when that's your only measuring stick, then the time invested and the relationships and the emotional aspects, that gets lost fast, real fast. And... Um, it all kind of culminated one day, my wife and I were arguing and I'll give you guys the short version of this. And I appreciate what you said as well. Yes, uh, my focus is on men, but the true focus is on principles. Mm. And when you understand the principle, it doesn't matter what gender, nationality, faith, none of that matters because we're talking eternal principles that when you understand them, you can learn how to apply them to any area of your life. And that's how you propel yourself forward. Uh, about eight, nine years ago, I didn't understand that. And all I knew is work was easy and home was hard. And the major difference was my wife. So it must have been her fault that things weren't going well at home, right? And we get in an argument one time and, and I don't remember the exact details, but what I do remember is that I threw a man-sized tantrum. I was upset about something and much to my embarrassment, I turn to uh, cabinets upstairs. I start kicking in the cabinet door with my bare foot. And while I'm throwing my tantrum, my wife walks by me, heads downstairs and goes to get the car keys and she's ready to leave. She's done. And after I've just demolished this cupboard door and the adrenaline starts to fade, and I'm catching my breath. There's this stabbing pain that shoots up from my heel all the way up my leg. And I look down and I got this huge chunk of wood sticking out of my foot. And all these negative things coming in what have I done? What was I thinking? What's wrong with me? What kind of idiot does this? And I'm so angry at myself, but then at the same time, you know, John, what's the number one differentiating factor between success at work and struggles at home? It's my wife. So clearly somehow my terrible man-sized tantrum is her fault. And I've got this pride billowing up all until I realize she's opening the door and she's ready to leave. And it just hits me like a wave that Number one problem, I can't get this chunk of wood out of my foot on my own. And number two problem, I'm about to let the most important person in my life walk out that door because of my pride. Because somehow I think it's not my fault or I'm not responsible. And that's never a healthy mindset for a leader. It doesn't matter whether you're leading a small project or whether you're leading a Fortune 500 company. If uh, Stephen Covey has a quote, where, which I'm about to butcher, but he says something to the effect of when you start thinking the problem is out there, that thought is the problem. And so I had to kind of pull inside myself and recognize I need to do something fast. And I didn't know what to say. 
And really all that came out was this ugly blubbering version of, please wait, don't stop. I need help. Please, I need help. And that's really this moment of, I need help. And I didn't know what she was going to do. I didn't know if it was too late. I didn't know if I'd pushed her away for too long or played the blame game for too long or been in our dance, our negative dance for too long. But to her credit, she stopped. She closed the door and she came back, helped me get the chunk of wood out. And then magically everything was perfect, right, John? Everything from that moment on was was <laughs> picture perfect and life was good. No, of course not. That's how it happened. No, that's that was my experience. It, like it happened, it was overnight. <laughs> Yeah, two years overnight in the hospital. <laughs> you know, I got I got to tell you though, as I'm hearing your story, and I know we'll get into this, but one of the most difficult things for me because I had so much success in all the other areas for my life is taking personal responsibility for the area of my life that was uh, below the average of mediocrity. Right? How could that be my responsibility, my fault, if everything else was going well? And what I didn't realize, and I, I remember it was during that period of time I read this, I think it was, it's by Chuck Swindoll, but it's called uh, Rising Above the Level of Mediocrity. And one of the things that I don't remember the whole book, but the principle that was in there, I'll never forget, is that wherever mediocrity exists in your life, nothing else in your life long-term can ever rise above that level. And I realized, you know what, the reason that I was working so hard to compensate doing all these things was trying to create excellence. And I was not being my best person. I wasn't doing things for the right reasons. I wasn't connected to a purpose. I was trying to meet all the expectations of everybody else around me without saying, you know what, what really is success? I never, you know what, I never stopped and said, okay, what does success even mean? What is a vision for my family? And am I willing to make some changes without expecting my wife to change? Because I'm sure we'll get in and talk about this more. But I remember when I started having this awareness, Joe, and I went to my wife and I said, hey, honey, what, what are some things that if I worked on would really make our marriage better? And she wasn't, it was frustrating to me because she was not open to sharing which then I got upset again, right? I mean, that was my, this is my pattern. Right. What we found out later and what I realized was, guess what? Because of who I was and how I was showing up at home, sharing with me feedback that she knew I would receive as critical would not be this warm, inviting conversation where I'm hoping to going and changing. No, it would turn into resentment because it was feeding into all these false narratives I had around gratitude and my role and her role and things like that. And I'm just telling people as we go through this process, if you know you need to make some changes, it was, Joe, for my wife and I, it was a year of hard work, deep work until she really was comfortable sharing with me, here's some things that I'd love for you to work on, this would be helpful. And so, you know what? Like sometimes you just want to like apologize to have an argument over or have a conversation and say, okay, I'm going to be better. Just trust me. And you know what? Sometimes it might take some time to rebuild some trust. So the fruit of this work is beautiful. It is worth the effort. And as we talk about that, I just want to frame this up with people is that, you know what, some of these changes, it's going to take time because we're going to have to do some work in our, in our attitudes, our habits, how we think, understanding who we are at our best. Absolutely. I love that. And there's, with what you're talking about, it's when we're leading a team in business, as we're creating goals, as we're doing a variety of things, we have to set appropriate goals, appropriate expectations, something that's going to stretch us, but not something that, I mean, if I have a goal that in the next three weeks, I'm going to go to an empty lot and build a multi, you know, a, a 10,000 square foot home by myself, that's ridiculous. There's absolutely nothing achievable or reasonable about that. And yet the irony here with what you're talking about, John, and, and here's something important to remember, just because there's may not be safety now, just because it wasn't safe for your wife to share in that critical feedback in that moment, that's not the end all to be all. That's just a moment in your journey. 
And because of the decisions that you made, because there you had a, an episode a little bit ago with Dave Alpern called uh, Taking the Lead. Mm-hmm. And he said, invest most in who matters most. So now if we take that to this situation that you're talking about with your wife, if you're willing to invest most in who matters most in yourself, in your wife, in your family, then all that is is a blip on the radar and it gives you a starting point to figure, realize, okay, we're not safe for each other. I can't take critical feedback from her. What do I need to do to get to that point? And the reality is, uh, going back to my story, is that there were years and hundreds of pieces of evidence that suggested to my wife that I was not able to take critical feedback, that I thought it was her fault. So for me to come and say, sweetie, thank you for pulling that chunk of wood out. I'm ready to change. I'm a new man now. Let's go put a Band-Aid on this. Let's go, you know, and literally a Band-Aid on my foot and a Band-Aid on my relationship. I'm sorry, there's just too much evidence that suggests that that's not going to work. I have proven to her otherwise. And so if I've done that over years, I need to realize that it's going to take time for those wounds to heal. Now we have the great master, the great healer, the eternal healer, Jesus Christ. And he is essential to all light, to all success that we have. And so that journey must involve Christ and he can heal in an instant. But as human beings, we often resist that healing. We often resist what he offers, that grace, that mercy, either for ourselves or for others. And so there is a matter of time that takes place. There is a process to follow. There are steps to take, but you do those steps. You take those steps. And now, John, you mentioned earlier where you're at in your relationship with your family. Your wife is your best friend. Your kids are your best friend, best friends. My relationship with my wife and my children is leaps and bounds where it used to be. And the opportunity comes in following the right process to allow that healing to take place and having the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other. As Dave, and as Dave Alpern said in that great episode you had with him, invest most in who matters most. Yeah. Now that is a choice, right? That is a decision where we have to realize, okay, here's where we're at now. Here's what has been created. What is my role been in creating this? More importantly, though, right, my book that just came out, On Purpose, With Purpose, what is the purpose of my role as a husband and as a father? And what is my vision for the family? Like, you know, I I started out and asked myself, well, here was something really powerful for me, Joe, is during my accident, I was in ICU for five weeks and then in another hospital for like, uh, I don't know, another two years or something. But even though I'd had this experience with God and had been given the second chance at my accident because it should have been fatal, I was in the hospital room when the neurosurgeon came in to describe the, they had to basically, they did, they took off my whole skull to try to repair all the massive damage inside my skull. What I heard when he was explaining what was going to happen to my wife is that, you know, he didn't expect me to make it. And if I did make it, I wouldn't be the person, but I'll, I'll never forget sitting there in bed. They left the room to go do some things that they had to do, but I was convinced that the next weekend was my funeral. And remember mm-hmm. this accident is ju- had just happened. And I started playing the whole tape, but the dominant thought that I, the first thought I had, Joe, is are my wife and kids, are they going to be okay financially? Right? So I started thinking of inheritance. And I said, okay, you know, okay, I got this in savings and life insurance and yada, yada, yada. And so I, you know, I kind of figured that out. But I started thinking, well, what about my legacy? What has my life meant to them? What have I left in them? Have I lived a life so the use of my life would outlive my life in my wife and my kids? And that, Joe, for me, I was convicted that, you know what? five, 10 years from now, I didn't, you know what, as I started to imagine the conversation they'd have, remember back to their dad is, you know what? He was busy. He was a good provider. He got all these accolades in the community. 
And you know what I did? I was in this recovery process. Somebody challenged me to sit down and write that obituary that I wish would be said. Like, this is my opportunity to rewrite my script. And I wrote this and I've never shared it with my wife or my boys, what I want them to say someday. Now, I've shared it with some very close friends, but I got to tell you, that process for me started to shape what could be the vision of my family, the vision of my marriage, the vision of my role as a dad, right? And someday, you know, they're all younger kids at this time, right? What does it look like? What are their brides going to say? What are my grandkids going to say? I didn't even have any grandkids yet. And I started writing that down. Now I have a four-year-old grandson now, and I am living out the life that I know those words that I want, that I wrote down years ago, a very high likelihood that they will be spoken. And I think, you know, for me, it took that moment. But you know what? It doesn't take an accident for us to sit down and start to say, what are some things I can do? It's not where I want. And it doesn't even feel like there's even a way forward. But with God, all things are possible. And he wants you to have that extraordinary marriage. And I think if we take some time and hit pause. So when you're working with people, Joe, and I know this is something that's a passion of yours, where do you help people start that know it's not where it's supposed to be right now? I love that. Well, the first thing is just acknowledging is having that admission and recognizing that that happens. Now, see, there's some certain lies that we need to break down. And one of those lies is that family just comes natural to some people. And that's just not me. Business comes natural. But let's step back and, you know, let's take a bigger view of one's life. Typically, a successful business leader or individual, they may have an undergrad and then they may, you know, so four years of college, then they've got, maybe they've got a master's two years, maybe a doctorate. I don't know. Maybe they didn't even go to college, but instead they spent uh, years in an internship and with the mentorship. But usually, during this climb, as somebody starts to develop their business acumen and whether they're climbing the corporate ladder, and maybe that takes anywhere from eight to 16 years of both intentional study and on-the-job training, or they're building their own business and they're, they have coaches, they have mentors, they're reading all kinds of books, they're studying, they're tri- learning by trial and error. Now you've got years of study there. And the point being is that business doesn't come natural. You might be more inclined to business than you are towards understanding how to potty train your two-year-old or three-year-old, whatever, but you've invested time, you've invested effort, you've invested money in educating yourself on how to develop the skill. And so the first thing for people to realize is that if I want to be as successful with my family as I am in business, then I need to put in the same amount of effort. This is why you need to treat your family like a business, not in terms of where you've got a spreadsheet and you've got your kids listed in the spreadsheet and you're keeping inventory on how many, like, that's not the part that matters. The part that matters is the mindset that you have towards business, that you have towards success, uh, being willing to figure out the challenges, being willing to invest in new opportunities, being willing to take advantage of what the environment brings to you and how to capitalize, just like you would capitalize on your colleagues and your employees strengths and talents, and you will use those to develop your business. You do the same thing within your home. What are the different talents and strengths of your families? How can you bring out the best in those individuals? So, you know what, though, I love that, you know, there's something else in that mindset that's coming out, right? So, imagine, you know, as we work, I mean, like showing up for a meeting prepared, showing up on time, looking at everything that needs to be done this week because you're developing the relationships in your team and you're leading people, you're developing them, you're creating opportunities. And then I love what you said before, right? Like what David said, are you investing most in what matters most? Am I make, when I come home at night, am I turning off work mode? This is something I had to do intentionally to be in husband mode or kid mode right? Am I intentionally saying, okay, what can I do this week to just create some amazing quality time with each one of my boys individually? Like that wasn't even on my radar screen, Joe, you know, during that period of time in my life, I did not look at them as the same priority. Cause I'm like, well, I have to do, I created a dependent event. 
I have to succeed in the world to take care of my family. They should, un- right, quote, understand what I'm doing because <laughs> it's for them. But then for me, I got resentful because my wife was living her dream. She was a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling our kids. We had, you know, we'd go on a vacation uh, at least a week every year. And I started getting resentful that I had created a lifestyle that I don't, that I don't even get to participate in because my family seems to be having a ball and I'm over here working like a dog 60, 70 hours a week. So you can see it was all internal. Absolutely. Well, and that's the irony of what the adversary does is that taking something that is potentially good. I mean, look at the temptations that Satan gave to Christ and in theory, they weren't necessarily bad things, but what they were was they were manipulations of good things to turn rocks into bread, to feed oneself. Like that's not inherently a bad thing, but it was the approach to it. It was the manipulated mindset about it that made it sin, that made it a bad thing. And so, so often, I love how you describe that, that you're doing everything you can to be this provider as you've defined, as you had defined being a provider. And then it grew into resentment because the reality is being a provider for finances. And this was really interesting. And I actually want to touch on this too, John, is what came to your mind is as you're going through the struggle, you think you're a week away from your own funeral. And the first thing that pops in your head is the financial stability of your family. Now, this is interesting because Is that important? Absolutely, it's important. But it has its place. So again, that's the manipulation of something that normally would be good, but the adversary, Satan, he manipulates it and he changes its priority. He changes its focus, its importance, its value to distract us from what matters more. Now, when you had time to meditate, when you had time to listen to what God really had for you, your mind and your heart were opened to what was bigger, the eternal truths, the things of greater value. And this is your stewardship over your children, your stewardship with your wife, your stewardship for your family, and whether or not we're being good stewards in all the aspects of what God has called us to do for our families and in our homes. We can't in business, we can't focus. I can't focus solely on marketing. If I'm the CEO of a company and all I'm doing is focusing on marketing and I'm doing nothing for customer service, I'm doing nothing for product development, I'm doing nothing for R&D, then my business isn't going to survive. And this gets into where we talk about work-life balance. And man, I tell you, John, that's something that I struggled with and shamed myself with for years, for probably two or three years when I started this path back to trying to be the husband my wife deserved and the dad that I dreamt I could be because I could never get it right. And I try to be intentional and, but it almost felt like the more I shifted towards one way than everything. And I was always constantly shifting and it was exhausting. And I became resentful as well because it's, I couldn't get it. And when you can't get something, we look for the reasons why, and there's the shame what's wrong with me that I can't figure this out? You know, John Ramstead, he figured it out. Why is it taking me so long to figure it out? Man, I just wish I could be more like John. Like that doesn't work. That's not healthy. Or we look outside of ourselves and we start blaming others, but that doesn't work and that's not healthy. And then I had this moment where I realized there is an error in trying to create work-life balance. And I discovered that what I needed And what I believe is most healthy for everybody listening today is work-life integration. Mm. I'm glad you said that. I so agree with that. It's not like either or. Everything's woven together, and it's actually about creating this flow and this unforced rhythm because just acknowledging that, you know, all of these things that we do are all part of who we are and why we're in the world. It's not like two separate things where I'm just, you know, walking from one building into another building and back and forth. And I can just write they're two, they're not two separate compartments. 
Right. Absolutely. Now, now keep in mind, this is something that can get manipulated too. So I don't want anybody to hear me wrong. This doesn't mean that you're replying to emails while you're sitting at the dinner table with your family because you're integrating work life. That's not what that means. What it means is that <laughs> some people are like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I know they're like, integration. I've got integration down. Yeah. You know, I had lunch with my wife and I'm checking emails at dinner and that's, you know, I'm, I'm integrated. No, it's about again. And this is why I feel like what I've, I've really been guided by the spirit to come up with this 3D family framework and what it means and what it does, because it focuses on integrating and it does that through principles. And I I definitely want to share those principles today because there's such powerful value and, you know, whatever value I can give to your audience. I mean, it's great. So let's do that. Let's jump into the principles. Yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of ironic to me, this uh, 3D family framework. And yes, there's three Ds and I'll share what those are. But part of it is I realized that as human beings, we're living one dimensionally. Let me speak to myself because I don't want to put anything on anybody else. I was living one dimensionally. I was going into work and I was so fully focused on work and so fully focused on what I needed to do and everything that was going to work. And my wife would shoot me a text or give me a call and I'd get irritated. Oh, such a distraction. I'm trying to focus. What are you doing? And, you know, she knows I'm at work. She knows I'm doing these things. And it's like, man, how am I so one dimensional in my mindset that I can't take absorb anything else in? And then it's like, okay, well now I need to stop work. And now I'm focusing just on my family to do these things. Now, again, good principles can be manipulated. So there does need to be this integration, how you do that. But one dimensionally, I'm thinking that I can just focus solely on providing financially, but we need to live a three-dimensional life. We need to be able to see how everything integrates. You know what, John, I just had a thought too. Something that's one-dimensional is darkness. If you've ever been in a cave or somewhere where there's absolutely zero light, zero light. You can't, your hands right in front of your face and you can't even see it. Darkness is one dimensional. There's no depth. There's no vibrancy. It's just, it's dull. It is darkness. It is one dimensional. Light is three dimensional. Light, there's color, there's vibrancy, there's depth, there's interaction. And so maybe that's part of why it's the 3D family framework too. I I hadn't, thought of it in that terms until just now, but this idea of the more light we absorb into our life, the more depth that we can see, the more vibrancy we can see. So, all right. So 3D family framework, the three D's discover, decide, do. Discover, decide, do. Now within each of these elements, there are different principles that we're going to focus on. And I'll go into deep on, uh, go in deep on one of them today. You know, if you want to put this in the show notes or people can go get more information on this on my website, which is forwardwithjoe.com slash eternal leadership. And I'll have uh, some free gifts and resources there for your audience. But with discover, we want to discover your vision, discover your values and discover your why. With decide, now decide means to determine or settle. Now, here's the great part about decision. This doesn't have to be a forever decision. This is something that you decide, what would God have me do today? What would God have me do for this next season of my life? And as that grows and evolves, as you grow and evolve, that's great. But here we're going to decide your stories. And for example, how do I want to decide what being a provider means? Am I going to use the story of what I took from my father and how I interpreted how I interpreted his behavior? Because I created that story about what he mm-hmm. did. Am I going to use that to now define the story of how I am a father or a parent or a spouse? Or do I want to choose a different story? So we're going to decide your stories, decide your boundaries. Because I tell you what, John, when you try to make those changes, crabs in a bucket, man. They say, who are you kidding? Like, no, 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 you have to work Saturday. You've always worked Saturday. Like, what do you mean you're not coming into the office today? What do you mean you're not staying late tonight? What do you mean you're not going out for drinks with the guys this weekend? Like, you know, this is what we do Friday after work. 
there's going to be, or people- Hey, the expectation is cause I've always done it. Is that, you know, that John's going to respond to your email up till about 10 PM. Yep. I created yeah. some of the problems that were then hard to fix. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to decide what your boundaries will be. And then the third piece of this is decide your measurements. Look, your successes, John, and the things you're doing in your life are great and powerful, but they are different from mine. You're at a different phase. Your children are a different age. And if I'm comparing myself to the things that you're doing or to the things that somebody else is doing, then I'm, I'm setting myself up for a toxic environment. And so I need to decide, how am I going to measure success? How will I define success? Am I going to define it by the size of my bank account? Am I going to define it by the health of my children? Am I going to define it by how I'm courting my wife and things we're doing there? I get to decide. This is my life. This is between me and God. You can have a totally different definition, totally different measurements, and that's okay. Because if you're setting that up... And something to interject there is, I would tell you that virtually nobody knew outside of our family that our marriage and like was not, it was not even close to a 10. It might've been a four or a five. Because I think we are really good at putting the spin and the mask on. And I got to tell you, so then then you start to do this work and you're like, well, Joe has this amazing marriage. Well, you don't know that. So what we can do is we can focus on becoming, growing closer to the Lord, becoming the person he made us to be. And when we start competing with that better version of ourself versus maybe comparing ourselves to our understanding of other people's lives, it, you know, I got to for me, being a very competitive person, that shift for me took the pressure off so I could actually, because guess what? I was still, my initially approach this from, you know what, I'm going to have the best marriage ever so that I can tell other people, like, I did it. I mean, you can, dude, I was, I was, I was kind of jacked up. You know what I'm saying? And so I even (laughs) started this work with the wrong mindset, with that competitive mindset. And that's not what my wife needed. Yeah. And you bring up a great point is that we don't know what's going on. So here's how I have chosen This is what I decided my measurement for success would be. Do I get back up when I fall down? If I'm getting back up every time I make a mistake, I go, man, that was stupid. Or that was a terrible decision. Or I don't know what I was thinking there, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to learn from it. Do I get back up when I fall down? And if I do, I'm succeeding. And John, you've got this powerful story with your accident and the time you spent in your hospital. And it's a story that those that know you, that they know well because of the value in that story. But I'd be curious to how many people listening today knew what was going on 10 years ago, knew kind of some of the things you shared at the start of this about your frustrations and the challenges. And maybe some of them did, maybe some of them didn't, but it's such a powerful point. You know, I'm a family leadership coach. And I talk about how to help men become trophy husbands, expert husbands, and world-class dads. And they're like, oh, so Joe, you're an expert husband. And, you know, the only thing that makes me an expert husband is that I don't stop learning. And the way I'm learning is that I keep trying when I make mistakes. And But it's so powerful that as you're defining your own measurements, that you can then, like you said, you can compare yourself to who you're becoming who God would have you be in the mindset of an opportunity, not in the mindset of how far a journey I have to go. That journey begin, you know, the journey of a thousand steps begins with the first step. So the last D here is do. And this is, we've discovered what it is that we want. We've decided how we're going to stay on track with that. Now let's get moving. So this is do your planning be intentional. You don't go into work at the start of the day and go, all right, I'm here. Let the magic happen. Like, no, there's a plan. There's actions that you're going to take. There's do your accountability. You're exactly right. People don't know what's going on. And we put on great masks. We show up to church at Sunday and our shirts are ironed and our, our 
you know, our kids, our hair is done just right. And we're looking and everybody's like, oh man, the Ramsteads, they're just that, they are the family for all of us to look up to. Well, they don't know, or, you know, uh, not to use you, I'll use me as an example. Oh, the Pomroys and their kids are so great and adorable. They don't know that 10 minutes ago, we're going, come on kids, why aren't you listening? You're supposed to sit on the potty, wear your shoes. We're going to be late, get in the car. What's going on? They don't see that part of it. But we need to, the reason we need this accountability, the reason we need to be able to share that with people, the biggest thing is to know that we're not alone. And it's easy to listen to a podcast episode and go, oh yeah, John's been through that. Joe's been through that. I'm not alone. But when you're in the day in and day out of it, you need that support, whether that's a community, whether that's a mastermind, whether that's just a a good friend that you can call up and shoot a text to and be like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get up from this last one. What are your thoughts? but have that accountability. And then the last part, do your best. Some days your best might be to roll out of bed. And some days your best might be to to bench press 500 pounds. I don't know. Only you know that. Only God knows that. Be honest in your heart, do your best and you'll be all right. So that John, in, in a nutshell, those are the core pieces, the core elements of the 3D family framework. Love that, Joe. And I think you know, part of it also in Discover, I think for me was actually, I remember uh, it was years ago when I was leading a team and I was complaining to my boss because I inherited this team and I had some really high performers and I had about half of the team though that just needed some either serious development or I had to make a decision on whether either if I couldn't develop them, how to move them out. And I was kind of complaining about this team and I did, I don't know, I've been four or five, six months. Right. So I'd had some time and traction with them. And uh, my boss asked me a very challenging yet unexpected question. And he said, John, what is it about your leadership and how you're showing up that has created this dynamic? I'm like, well, I didn't create it. I mean, it was here. I'm trying to fix it. He goes, okay, fair enough. But John, what is it about your leadership style and how you're showing up that this dynamic still exists. He was forcing me in that question to take responsibility, which was hard because I'm like, well, it's like, I don't like the results. Right. And in my mind of, Hey, if I was able to put this team together myself, it'd be totally different. Right. (laughs) Of course. And uh, I had to realize, guess what? For me, almost that discover is also discover what is, you know, what's your vision for the family, but Hey, why isn't it there today? Because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think Joe had, my wife and I've talked about this. We've been candid. Would I be married today? We're 31 years of marriage now had this accident not happened. I think we had drifted far apart, far enough after 20 years of marriage, 21 years of marriage that we don't know. I know today she's like my best friend. Like she's in Atlanta with my son at the baseball tournament. We talk, oh my gosh, two, three times a day. I mean, like, like we, we like where we were 30 years ago, which is pretty cool. But in that, I had to say, well, what, you know, this isn't Donna. This isn't what she's done. This isn't the job. I'm the one that's making a choice to come home at night grumpy. I'm the one who's making actually a choice to feel unappreciated. Then I have to realize how much work is she putting in? She's got two little ones at home. She's up at six in the morning. She doesn't have a break all day long. Yeah, she's not earning income, so to speak. But when I realized her job is actually harder than anything I've been doing, and she's been doing it amazingly. And then what I had to do in that is in the process of taking accountability is actually go to my wife and apologize. I mean, like a real, like, Hey honey, this is what I've been doing. And this is the vision I have for the family. And I need your help. I want you, would you be willing to hold me accountable to making some of these changes? And she said, no, I will not be willing to hold you accountable. Because every time I've tried to hold you accountable in the past, it's not gone well. Like, I don't, I don't want to put myself in that situation. Right. Now, that's not where we're at now. But then guess what I did in that moment, Joe? I got ticked off. Like, <laughs> Shocking, what? right? I just told you, like, <laughs> here's my vision and I want to move toward it. And like, 
So, you know, so part of this is, you know what, Christ says, I want you to transform your mind. This was a process of transformation. And I love your flow, right? What are your values? Are you living in them? Are you honoring them? Like in my book, On Purpose with Purpose, I write an entire chapter on how to do that. What is your purpose? Why are you doing this? Like, I, I like to think about things as a mission, right? As a military guy, like, what is my mission right now? Like my mission, which is what I'm going to do is intentionally find times. But like, here's what a knucklehead I am, Joe. I'm like, okay, I want to get Donna flowers. I want her to feel appreciated. So you know what I did? Cause I'm a business guy. No, no, because I'm a knucklehead. I went to one of these, you know, flower places and I put us on a subscription. So she got flowers once a month. You're being well, the efficient. First month they came and she's like, this is awesome. Oh, thank you. Second month they came. She's like, oh, you remembered. Third month, she's like, you bought a f- subscription, didn't you? <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay. She, I'm like, okay, that does not speak to the heart of a woman, right? That is the task to get her flowers every month, or I mean, the goal, or is the goal to make her feel loved and appreciated? I kind of missed the mark, but guess like you said, right? You have to learn in what you're doing. So then you can get a little bit gooder. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and that brings up a great point. And I love that you shared that because it's, we go back to the heart of things and we talk about that God looks on the heart. And so when we understand what's the purpose and what's the real value that we're trying to embrace, and you can take that now, now, here's what I really want people to understand is that's a great story and a great experience that we can learn from when we go, okay, so what are we looking at? Well, the real thing that Donna was looking for is she wanted to know that you were thinking about her. She wanted to know that you took the time out of your schedule, out of your day to prioritize her. Um, she wanted to feel important and loved. And I'm obviously I'm putting words in your wife's mouth, but I'm, those are my best guesses as to what she was really looking for. You're pretty spot on brother. (laughs) All right. So now, but your action, your behavior wasn't in line with what she really needed from it, even though externally everything looked great. So now, okay. So then what that teaches us is that I need to understand the internal need of those I'm supporting so that my action is in line with their true need. And so now we go that and I'm leading a team and I've got, you know, a team of seven people that I'm trying to help put together a project and do those things. And man, everything's there. I'm giving them the reports. I'm giving them their checklist. I'm, you know, I'm asking them, how are you doing today? You know, I've scheduled out emails to where every Tuesday at 8 a.m. they get an email that says, hey, was thinking about you just want to see how you're doing. Like, because I want them to know that I care and I'm doing all these things. Well, what's the real need that my employees, my coworkers have? And this reminds me of a recent episode you had with Paul White Mm. and how he's talking about appreciation and how, uh, you know, I was blown away by the stat that 83% of workers would be willing to take another job. That was something Paul shared in, in that uh, valuable episode that I hope people will go back and listen to. But he talked about this appreciation. Okay, well, so that means there's a real need. It doesn't matter how great things look. What's the real need? And is that need being met? And, um, you know, when we get into values, And I want to say something about the vision, values, and why that are all part of Discover, this first D of the 3D family framework. When people create a vision, there's two mistakes that they typically make. The first mistake is, well, what's my ideal life like three years from now? And my ideal life is that I'm going to be on the beach in Bali and I'm swimming and I've got my family and all these great things and where people are bringing us amazing food. That's my vision. Well, that's the one that doesn't incorporate all the pieces of your life. But then if my vision is strictly about business, then that's not realistic. Create your vision integrated, do it in an integrated manner. So what's an ideal typical day look like three years down the road and how does your business And how does your family, how do they integrate? How do they complement each other? And if that's the vision that you're creating, that's real. 
that's something that you can look and look at and go, yeah, I can do that. And that's the first step on this journey. So everybody go connect with Joe forward with Joe.com and go to forward slash eternal leadership on there. And I just want to encourage everybody out there because you heard Joe's story. You heard my story, right? We went from a, I went from a place where, man, I was miserable. Um, didn't think things were going to last. Don't know if they would be today. That family you dream of, the one that God keeps just putting on your heart, it's why you keep thinking about it. He, more than anybody, wants you to be have an amazing marriage, have amazing relationships with your kids as a father and as a mother. And the path to get to that place is absolutely accessible, even if the facts right now to your mind don't look like they are. And so I love what you said. Go through Joe's framework. Do this in community. You're not alone. Go find some people you can be real with. And in that, plan those small steps. Give yourself grace because you're changing habits and patterns and mindsets. And it's gonna, you're going to have some good days and some bad days. What I'm telling you, and you, hopefully you've heard this from both Joe and I, it is so worth it. It is one of the most rewarding efforts that I have, I think, probably maybe undertaken in my life. And so with that, Joe, just as we wrap up, just any final thoughts or just um, call to action? Yeah, I have a thought coming really strong. And so I don't know who needs to hear this, but it is not about what you deserve. It is about what God has in store for you. Mm. So turn it over to him and go for it. You got this. And yeah, I hope, uh, you know, check out forwardwithjoe.com slash eternal leadership. And I'm really excited. Save the family, save the world. Do it together. All right, do it together. Go knock them alive out there, everybody. And uh, I tell you what, if you're in a good place, share this episode with somebody who you know, you're already thinking about them and needs to hear it. We heal our marriages. We heal our families. That is how we disciple one another. We disciple individuals and we step truly into the work God has planned for us without things holding us back. So I believe in you. I know you can do it. I'd love to hear your success stories or even your challenges because we're, you know what, this is a great community and we're here to, we're here to serve you forward. So love you guys and keep doing great things.